0: it reminds me of that one song that came out and the first line is i speak the name of jesus over Mm. you Mm. you can speak the name of jesus over yourself (laughs) over your family over your workplace over your situation
1: hello everyone welcome back to the 116 podcast
0: welcome back i said that
1: so slowly what the heck that's that's fine (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, welcome back. Uh, we hope uh, that you've had a good couple of weeks. I know we've had a good couple of weeks, sort of. Yes. Exams are done. Yeah. That's just... that's my positive of the week, by the way. <laughs> I just r- jump right to it.
0: Yeah, you finished your last exam today.
1: Yeah, literally like two hours ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm happy it's over with. Third year is done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Woo!
1: You had your presentation yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. It wasn't actually for. Like school, mm-hmm. I finished all my school stuff. Um, I didn't actually have exams. <laughs> you had a whole bunch of paper. Though. I had a whole this bunch one. of papers yeah. and other stuff. Um, and my classes were done early, so I was done a while ago. But I had some extracurricular stuff mm-hmm. that I was doing. So I was a part of McEwen um, Student Research Days. So I got to present research and that was all done yesterday So now I actually feel like school's done Mm.
1: (laughs) That was a lot of fun That was my first like research day thing that Mm -hmm. I attended And it was very insightful It's way out of my field of study (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was talking about children and like uh, society and all that And I was out here going, I have no idea (laughs) Coding? I I can do that.
0: Coding and math. Yeah,
1: coding and math, I can do that. But no, it was a very insightful and very intriguing um, different presentations that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked yours a lot. Um, Thank you. It was really fun <laughs> to watch.
0: I talked about how um, Cree culture affects children's play. Um, there was someone who presented on the early curriculum frameworks within Canada. So each province has a different framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked about how um, they included terms such as e- equity, diversity, and Inclusion, Inclusion. Inclusion Inc- inclusivity, In piece, yeah. <laughs> yeah so she like talked that. about the prevalence of those terms um, mm-hmm. within the frameworks. Uh, there was another presentation on research, yeah. obviously, <laughs> um, but they hadn't completed their research, um, so they're just kind of talking about the process so far and the things they learned and like things that we can take into practice when doing research. Yeah. So that was also insightful. Um, and there was also a presentation on poverty and ending poverty.
1: That was a very interesting presentation, to say the least
0: yeah, it was it was also very interesting. Um, the The content was good, and i um I did learn a lot about like stats on poverty in Canada.
1: Yeah, it's actually insane how many people live under the poverty line and mm-hmm. people that are homeless. Yeah, uh, it was remarkable to see how much. I've kind of worked with homeless people here in Edmonton. I used to work for Hope Mission and I've seen homelessness firsthand and uh, um, I've seen youth homelessness even, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But to put like, to have the data that's behind all of that was actually insane.
0: see the actual numbers.
1: Exactly. Like, I've seen people just come through the system, right? Mm -hmm. And so to see, like, this is still a big problem within Canada, within a developed nation, is kind of Crazy and ridiculous, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, and and like uh, they were talking about how uh, uh good family relationship has an impact on someone's ability to learn and grow, mm-hmm. and yeah. which was kind of it's kind of like, oh, that makes sense, but yeah. <laughs> you don't really think about it, right, mm-hmm. and how a lot of these homeless people uh nowadays growing up didn't have that affectionate compassionate. Um, family relationship Mm -hmm. and so here they are being homeless and and there was a direct uh, correlation between Mm -hmm. the two and that was so fascinating to me even though Mm -hmm. that's kind of logical yeah (laughs) (laughs) that could Uh that should be inferred right Mm -hmm. but it was very fascinating to me
0: yeah i agree family is so important for Mm -hmm. so many different so many different things, but yeah. like a key, a key part of family is healthy, loving families. Exactly. And uh, things aren't always perfect and things are hard to work at. But I think that's something really important to remember is families and working on family relationships yeah. and um, remembering to be, remember to be loving mm-hmm. like Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah.
1: It definitely has an impact of the way you learn things and the way you grow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So today, if you couldn't tell already, it's just me and you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's fun.
0: Yeah. So we were wanting to um, do something you haven't done before yet. A little different. A little different, but still uh, evolving, revolving around like testimonies. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: So we're going to do... I'm going to be reading some testimonies that uh, we've seen around and kind of discussing about them. And I'm honestly excited to hear some of these testimonies. I haven't been looking at them. It's all Anita. Mm -hmm. I found
0: a couple of them.
1: Yes, go ahead. And
0: briefly read them. (laughs) But they seemed uh, interesting. So the first one I found was titled, My Name Was On A Federal Most Wanted List. Now it's written in the Book of Life. Wow. <laughs> yes. So I found this on a website called Christianity Today, and they have a whole bunch of testimonies. So I'm going to read this one. And this one was published February 6, 2020. Wow. All right. You ready?
1: Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want to hear Okay.
0: This. So on September thirteenth, two 2013, I sat alone in the bunk of my cell eating a cold egg sandwich at the Federal Correction Institution in Ray Raybrook, New York a medium-security prison in the High Peaks region of the Adarindack Mountains. Nice. Sorry if I butchered that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It had been my home for 18 years. I walked out of the prison reception building feeling almost numb. I was nervous, waiting for my daughter Jessica and my daughter Donna, who would drive me six hours to a halfway house in Boston. There was a bittersweet reunion in the parking lot filled with hugging and crying. I was sixty nine and served my time without parole for serious financial crimes, catching the longest sentence ever for a white collar crime in Massachusetts. Wow, money had become my god. Mm. So growing up in East Boston, I never realized how poor my family was. My mother needed a job after dad died of lung cancer when I was nine. She supported us four children working in a candy factory and earning $1.10 an hour. Mm-hmm. Following high school, I joined the U.S. Air Force, serving four years and getting married along the way. A budding talent for, financial led, for finance led me to major in business... Um, in Massachusetts, and then in accounting at American International College in Springfield, Massachusetts. So after graduating, um, I worked for an insurance company before joining the Polaroid Employees Federal Credit Union as controller. That decision spelled the beginning of the end. In 1980, I helped launch the Digital Equipment Corporation's Employees Federal Credit Union as president and CEO. The business prospered, expanding to 20 branches, and I began investing in single-family rental homes and the stock market. Living the high life, I made millions, legitimately. Wow. Five years later, I co-founded the now-defunct Barnstable Community Federal Credit Union, which became a piggy bank for myself and several cohorts. Cohort. Cohorts. <laughs> I use the business to obtain fraudulent loans, bankrolling massive investments in Cape Cod real estate. For a time, runaway greed can generate excessive returns. In my case, a nine thousand square foot mansion, a small fleet of luxury vehicles, a plane, and properties worth twenty million dollars. Whoa. On many occasions, I would race my red Ferrari around Cape Cod at over 130 miles an hour. I was out of control. Yet even with all that wealth, I was still empty inside, always looking for the next score to hit. During the DCU's board of directors opened the door to fraud on a grander scale. Cut that line out. Duping, the DCU boards of directors opened the door to fraud on a grander scale. We hoodwinked everyone until auditors from the National Credit Union Administration (gasps) finally uncovered our illegal dealings in 1991. Mm -hmm. This resulted in my indictment and ultimate conviction on numerous charges of conspiracy, bank fraud, and money laundering... (sighs) On top of this, I was dealing with a loss like no other. My son Douglas had died in a tragic accident driving the BMW automobile I gave him. He was only 21. My attorney stalled my sentencing for almost three years so I could set up a sports memorabilia business to provide income for my wife, Mary. But when the time came to appear before the judge, I found myself unable to face the thought of spending years in prison and probably dying there. And so I made a momentous decision to run away from my sentencing hearing and forfeit the $50,000 bail bond. Four days before the hearing, I kissed Mary goodbye and called my regular limo driver for a drop-off at Logan International Airport in Boston. I taped 13 packets of $100 bills around my body and stuffed $2,000 into my wallet. I cut the probation office a electronic bracelet off my ankle in the car oh my weather delays frustrated my escape plans i flew to dallas and then paid a bartender 300 dollars in cash to drive me to houston so i could catch a plane to nashville my final destination paying everything in cash kept the authorities off my trail oh my for the first six weeks i skipped around to different hotels and motels in nashville area Needing a new identity, I stumbled onto a scheme to buy a phony driver's license from California under a new name, Richard D. Innovate. But my life on the run eventually earned me a place in the U.S. Marshall's most wanted fugitive list. Oh I burned through most of the cash in a year of partying, gambling, playing the stock market, and traveling around with girlfriends. I pawned my gold Rolex watch worth $16,000 for $5,000, which I lost at the craps table in a Mississippi casino. When the money stream began drying up, suicide surfaced as the only remaining option. Still seeing a steady girlfriend, but living alone in a dreary motel room, I decided I would kill myself by guzzling a bottle of wine, falling asleep, and piping carbon monoxide gas into my sealed SUV. I felt trapped like a roach in a corner. One evening, I duct-taped plastic tubing from the exhaust pipe and into the rear of the vehicle, aiming at a painless death the next morning. Yet, while surfing TV channels at night, I paused on an evangelist preaching about Jesus on the cross. Placing my hands on the TV set and crying, I asked Jesus to forgive me for all my sins and receive me as his child. It sounds like a cliche, but I felt a great weight lifting off my shoulders. Since I had never been interested in religion before, it was I was unfamiliar with Scripture. Wanting to know more, I drove to a Christian bookstore and bought a Bible and Christian teaching tapes. For several months, I devoured the Bible while hiding out in a trailer in Tennessee's hill country. But I could not rouse the willpower to surrender. I even visited my wife and daughter in Boston, poised to turn myself in to the U.S. attorney in the federal court building. It didn't happen. Returning to Tennessee, I ditched my girlfriend and moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, where out of desperation, I confessed my fugitive status to a Catholic priest. He called four law enforcement agencies before convincing the authorities that I was a felon ready to surrender. An FBI agent arrived hours later at the church and took me into custody. In November 1995, I entered the federal prison in Raybrook, handcuffed and escorted by U.S. Marshals. I was 51 years old. I quickly connected with the prison chaplain and told him how I had come to Christ before surrendering. The first day in the chapel felt like being in a sanctuary. The chaplain mentored me and introduced me to discipleship courses That gave a solid foundation for my faith and encouraged me to share it with other inmates. Soon after arriving, a fellow inmate blessed me with a new leather-bound Bible donated by a local church with a prison ministry. I immersed myself in the task of studying scripture, attending every chapel service, and memorizing 2,000 verses. In total, I completed 39 prison ministry courses. Well, the prison became a sort of monastery to me. I told various cellmates that I was in perfect solitude while cloistered and studying. My faith strengthened slowly because the Lord needed to get rid of the junk inside me. Mm. I still had issues with uh, covetousness from my past and with fully trusting the Lord. Case in point, my wife became very ill and my daughter needed to sell her home. The thought of claiming some of the potential selling prices of $350,000 for a nest egg tempted me. Meanwhile, fellow inmates would badger me to reveal details about getting funny IDs, money laundering, and hiding money in overseas accounts. After serving 15 years, I was still not ready to go home. I needed more counseling sessions with the chaplain, but whenever I meditated on Isaiah 51 verse 14, The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. Mm -hmm. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. I felt my spirit lift. God's word gave me hope that I would not end up dying behind bars. Mm -hmm. So trying to live the Christian life in prison is a life and death adventure. Temptations bombard you. In my case, God froze my sexual desires, and I can only explain it as a miracle. The Holy Spirit empowered me to control myself. Other inmates and guards watch you closely, waiting for you to fall. Some mock you and avoid being around you. I was even accused of being too happy. While working in the prison kitchen, I saw inmates steal food and utensils. Informing on them would mark you as a rat and leave you vulnerable to violent retribution. But God always sheltered me from harm. And of course, you miss your family. My mother and wife died during my incarceration. I was not allowed to attend Mary's funeral, even though I was allowed to work outside the prison fence and was not considered a flight risk. Through it all, I would spend two to three hours studying the Bible each day, supplemented by hours of prison ministry courses on the weekends. This gave me the strength to grow and never give up. I began teaching courses to inmates and preaching to prison's Spanish congregation with one of my cellmates translating. Leaving prison six years ago opened up a host of possibilities for serving God. Today at 75, I volunteer with the U.S. probation and pre-trial service system, counseling men in federal and state prisons. Whoa. I've given talks about how to survive prison to as many as 100 convicted felons and their families. In 2016, I founded Baseli Prison Ministries to help ex-offenders readjust to civilian life. As I reflect back, I can see how a dollar sign sat on the throne of my heart for many years. But Jesus sits on that throne today. I relinquished my life to Him. Each day, as I am guided by the Holy Spirit, I am continually reminded it is Christ who rules and not me. Prison gave me the opportunity to grow in Christ and to finally become the person God wanted me to be. In the future, I hope to minister to as many prisoners as I can. Especially white-collar criminals who are so susceptible to attempting suicide. What remains of my life is dedicated to the Lord's work. I'm at peace now, enjoying the fruits of helping others.
1: Wow, that was so much! Oh my goodness,
0: <laughs> that was that was pretty long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was really long. A lot of information. <laughs> yeah, but it's wow. crazy
1: to go from like that type of crime mm-hmm. um, to God setting him free and him being a minister and and leading people to christ and mm-hmm. and helping people honestly like god could use anyone at that point
0: mm-hmm. yeah god can use anyone yeah
1: <laughs> that's insane
0: mm-hmm. it there was a couple different parts in the story where it reminded me of like different bible stories Mm. um like when he decided he was going to run away (laughs) with all his money and then spend it like crazy (laughs) it reminded me of the prodigal son Mm. the story of the prodigal son where um son decided he was going to take his father's inheritance and then run away with it and spend it yeah and then finally he decided he was going to come back to his father as a servant Mm -hmm. but the father welcomed him back with open arms yeah and so this story is kind of similar to that right where this person at the beginning didn't know God at all, but mm-hmm. he lived life his own way. He spent all his money, yeah. and then before surrendering and turning himself in, he surrendered to God mm. and turned his life over to God. And then, in that prison, he was able to learn more about God. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's interesting how uh, it was when he surrendered that God started working within him. And when he, when he fully surrenders himself, not only to Christ, but also to the actions that he had done before, right? Mm-hmm. Surrendering to that and saying, yes, I did those things and, and I'm going to take the consequences now, right? And it's interesting how that God uses that uh, as a method to work within him. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's, that's the most difficult thing ever. It wasn't as easy as just going to a priest mm-hmm. and saying whatever that he did and, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, arrest me. Not. <laughs> that's a difficult thing to do, yeah. right? I think we all struggle with that. It's, it's hard to give up certain things. It's hard to give up uh, certain passions, certain, uh, um, certain businesses, certain um, endeavors mm-hmm. in order to pursue God fully. Mm-hmm. Um I know in my life it has been like that all through and through right mm. it's difficult to give up some things that i'm doing for myself yep. in order to pursue god but it's in those sacrifices that god works through and and makes the best out of the situation mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. and honestly like this is so encouraging cuz like there's so many things that could distract us and that could Lead us astray, but if we surrender those things and only focus on God and and fully immerse ourselves with within His words and um, fully follow Him and be committed, God could do miraculous things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's not only His life that's being changed, mm-hmm. but also all the prisoners that are yeah. coming in and that were there before, mm-hmm. right? And He He gets to. Uh, now impact people across the world (laughs) by writing this right and and all this was a snowball effect Mm -hmm. of him surrendering first yes (laughs) and so i mean like we ought to do the same thing right we ought to surrender and it's those snowball effects that will grow to something massive and so much bigger than we are and we ever think we'll get to
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah. I also like what you said at the beginning too. It, this story really shows how God can use anyone mm-hmm. and will use anyone. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the first step is to surrender to Him and to allow Him to use you. Yes. But this reminds me of uh, what Pastor Dino spoke about on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about uh, Rahab, who was a prostitute, yeah. but God used her and she was saved. Um, her whole city was destroyed and the israelites came and took over but god spared her because she helped the israelites yes and now she's part of the lineage of jesus <laughs> <laughs> so crazy yeah there there's really there's no sin too great that god can't forgive no and there is no person too far gone that god can't use
1: exactly Amen. meant mm-hmm. to that
0: so that's such a good story about that yes. so Any of you are feeling discouraged and like, wow, I made a huge mistake that I can never recover from. Mm -mm. It's not true. All you have to do is surrender to God, ask for forgiveness. And He can and He will use you. (laughs) Exactly. He wants to use us.
1: Do you have more stories?
0: Yes. I'm just trying to find them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You didn't save them?
0: No, they're on here.
1: Oh, okay. But that was a really good one. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. That was so long, though. I wonder if he wrote a book about it.
0: Mm. If he didn't, he should. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more details details that you could go into. Exactly.
0: Okay, so I'll read this next one. It's also kind of long. Uh, (laughs) But it's called, I was a new age healer. Then I realized I wasn't the one doing the healing.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the way, we'll put... The links to the stories in the description.
0: Yeah, and then you can also read more. There's more on here as well. All right. So, from the time I was a child, skipping along the creek bank to my grandparents' house, I could feel, I could sense um, what you could call the unseen or spirit world. Sometimes this world was as sweet as the childlike wonder of knowing where the prized Easter egg was hidden. Other times, an ominous flash of perception would warn me that I was in a home where witchcraft was Mm practiced. Often these experiences were accompanied by a vision and sensation of hot or cold in my heart, forearms, and hands. There were confusing times, too, when I had a strong suspicion someone couldn't be trusted or wasn't telling the truth. Being a child, I wasn't sure when to speak up or what to say, so I tended to blurt out whatever came to mind. You're being nosy again, my mother would say in a gentle way, even though I could tell I was testing her patience. You need to mind your own business. So my grandmother, a wise and loving Christian woman, had a strong influence on me. She would sit on her front porch shelling peas for supper. Her eyes would shine with light and my heart would burn as she told stories about... The many people Jesus helped and how the demons and religious leaders did not like him. Mm. As a teenager, I was curious about the supernatural realm and I started satisfying that curiosity with books on the occult. I loved God, but I also nursed a disobedience streak. And even though the subject matter was frightening, I found myself gradually lured, lured in. I bought a Ouija board and became interested in clairvoyance, the ability to know things about people and places present or future based on heightened perception. As the doorway to the demonic realm swung open, terrifying incidents occurred. At one point, I slept with a Bible because I believed I was hearing demons in my room. Another night, unable to sleep, I kept watching my bedroom door, sensing that someone was standing just outside. Another time, I woke up in a cold sweat after feeling a tug on my nightgown and hearing a low, menacing growl in my ear.
1: Oh my goodness. Yet
0: the idea of accessing supernatural powers remained appealing. Mm. All right. So looking back, I see how Satan was preparing me to be seduced by one of the greatest daughters of new age thinking, the false promise of peace through spiritual enlightenment. Although Christians often associate New Age philosophy with crystal balls, Ouija boards, and seances, most New Agers regard these activities as dime store knockoffs of more mature paths of self discovery. So many are healthcare workers, environmentalists, engineers, and teachers. Their world- worldly success and sophistication are alluring, their lives appear the pillar of peace and stability. In my mid-twenties, I began studying Reiki, a New Age healing technique that uses different symbols and hand positions to supposedly channel energy from the universe. Mm -hmm. At the time I was desperate for peace and and longing for spiritual awakening, wanting to belong, I eagerly accepted the idea that Satan was a man-made myth contrived to keep people in religious bondage. I committed myself to relinquishing the negativity within me and bundle of old wounds limiting beliefs and fear, so that the universe's healing powers might flow unimpeded. (laughs) During Reiki sessions, I met people who were genuinely kind and caring, people who nurtured and loved me, but my conscience was never entirely at ease. Even though I wasn't following Jesus, my heart would cry out whenever I heard anyone ascribe their blessing to a nameless cosmos. By the time I became a Reiki master, I was also a mom living on my own. And as so many parents can attest, the anxious and awestruck feelings of parenthood have a way of awakening interest in religion. Mm -hmm. I went to church now and again, now and again, but couldn't seem to settle in anywhere. Next door to me lived an elderly couple raising their young granddaughter. She invited me to her church where I finally found a home for my soul. I went through Beth Moore's breaking free bible study and was baptized now i was straddling two worlds so on saturdays i would offer reiki sessions and teach classes at a friend's store my ability to receive visions and impressions of people had gained some attention are you a medium customers in the shop would ask me there's a psychic seminar in town next week you can make a lot of money but i was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the reiki world Every day I felt a greater burden of conviction to tell people that whatever healing they experienced during Reiki sessions was a gift from God not me. Mm. He was the answer to all their questions, problems and longings. <laughs> Yet saying this was forbidden. New age philosophy treats this world as an illusion, a school for our spiritual mastery where many god spirits and guides are honored. To speak of Jesus as one deity among many, equal in power and authority is permitted but to speak of him as the way, the truth, and the life is out of question. So despite my discomfort with Ricky, I remained powerfully attached to the joy and rewards of helping people. I feared quitting it for the sake of Jesus. What if people stopped seeking me out for healing and I returned to my drifting ways? So I made what seemed a fair compromise. I quit teaching Ricky methods and told my students about my faith in Jesus, but I continued offering sessions sessions for my clients asking the holy spirit to operate underneath the surface Mm
1: -hmm.
0: soon enough i came face to face with the foolishness of serving two masters Mm -hmm. the crisis point arrived when a friend asked if i would teach riki to her and another woman my hands had heated up just prior to her call and i thought this might be god's way of giving his permission i agreed to the class convincing myself that i could talk about jesus freely because this friend knew about my faith the first session went smoothly enough, but that night I had a terrible dream of two witches attacking me. I yelled out the name of Jesus, and immediately they disappeared. I awoke from the dream, scared but in awe of a name so powerful that Satanic forces fled at its mention. Mm-hmm. The next day, I informed the woman that I would teach that I would not teach the class any longer. You do not need more teaching. I said, you need Jesus. Mm. (laughs) They erupted in tears and anger, accusing me of arrogance, stupidity, and a lack of empathy.
1: Mm.
0: Eventually, I was asked to leave. For a week thereafter, I endured their insults along with the expected exclusion from certain formerly friendly circles. But I also felt an incredible relief. Mm. I ripped up all my Reiki books and asked God to forgive me. Mm -hmm. That was over 15 years ago, and I haven't practiced Reiki since. The new age is the old Satan playing on our deepest longings for peace, connection, abundance, and immortality. <laughs> In contrast, the Christian path of obedience, sacrifice, and suffering can seem foolish. Um, that's why I praise the name of Jesus, who laid down his life not for spiritual masters, but for the weak and wounded sinners he loved so dearly.
1: Mm. That's good. Well, wow. <laughs> That's actually really <laughs> great. I feel like there's a lot of people like that nowadays, though,
0: mm.
1: because a lot of this, uh, the two stories that we you read today, mm-hmm. very much align in terms of like serving two masters mm. yes. and uh, being tempted by what was in the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if if you following Christ does not bring Radical change within your life. Mm-hmm. You're doing something wrong, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, because it should it should be it should transform you. Mm-hmm. It should uh, renew your mind. Yes, right? um, and so like these stories really go to show like how much Christ can change you, and how much you need to change your surroundings and and circumstances. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. What I mean by that, it's like completely changing direction, saying, no, I'm no longer going to do this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how even though she was, you know, fo- a follower of Christ, the, the her, I forget what it's called, Ouija, not Ouija, Riki, was still working mm. through her, mm-hmm. right? Um, and... It's to show that, like, if you're not fully committed to Christ, the devil could still have his way, mm. right? <laughs> he could still step in and do stuff. So, like, yeah. if you, in your life, you're saying, what the heck? God, how come I follow you? I read my Bible. I do this. I do this. But is this, 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 this is still happening to mm-hmm. me. It's not God's fault, right? You should mm. be looking at yourself and saying, yeah. what am I doing that's causing this? Right? Mm-hmm. Have I not changed in my ways? Have I not? Uh, am I still doing the same things I did before? Right? Mm-hmm. Am I two-faced? Am I one on no, one person on Sunday and another person on Monday at work? Right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, really having that self-reflection and and changing your ways will really go, um, will really do great things for you, right? And mm-hmm. and better your relationship with Christ. And so that that's that stood out to me so much mm, it's important yeah. for us to change our ways
0: yeah the idea of mixing different belief systems mm, and spiritualities not is a good idea. called syncretism yes. <laughs> and it's something that we need to be aware of and avoid yes um i don't know i think today things can be so tricky and things are like nicely covered yeah <laughs> and so it's easier to mix yourself up into those types of things which is why it's so important to be a part of a strong body of believers to Mm. be a part of a church family to have um connections with people who are more spiritually mature than you so that they can help and guide you Mm. right like there's nothing wrong with going to someone and saying hey this is something i'm interested in but like Something's kind of off about it. Like, mm-hmm. is that just me or is that the Holy Spirit telling me, hey, this is, yeah. <laughs> this isn't something maybe you should mess with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so, it's so important to have guidance from one, the Holy Spirit who should be within you, but also from people in the church, people who are more spiritually mature. Yeah. They're there for a reason. We're a body of yeah. believers for a reason. Exactly. We can rely on each other and help each other exactly. in these type of situations. Um. The other thing that really stood out to me was the part where she was talking about she had a nightmare mm. of witches attacking her. And she called out the name of Jesus. Yeah. And they left. Yes. <laughs> I've actually experienced things like that. Not, not the same dream, obviously, yeah. but just like having really dark dreams that were not from mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember actually talking to... To my dad about it i think i was maybe like 11 at the time and i was talking to my dad about it and telling him i'm having these nightmares all the time and like they don't stop and like i would pray before i went to bed and my dad would pray with me before i went to bed but i was still getting these really bad nightmares mm-hmm. um so my dad ended up telling me hey when you're um having these nightmares and you can't wake yourself up just say the name of jesus say in mm-hmm. jesus name and i was like okay i'll try that out <laughs> <laughs> so i went to bed the next night and sure enough i had this dream someone was chasing me and i ended up saying in jesus name
1: Mm. because i
0: remember i was like trying to run i couldn't wake myself up and then it was one of those dreams where like you're running and then you can't run anymore it's like you have cement on your feet (laughs) and so i could feel this person behind me in my dream and i remember i said in jesus name and it was like the dream kind of paused
1: Mm. but
0: i was still in it and the person that was behind me in my dream ended up saying don't say that name Mm. And so I said it again. <laughs> I said, yeah, in I'm Jesus not going to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, I said, in Jesus' name. And I ended up waking up from that dream.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was crazy. I just felt this, like, sense of peace and the power in Jesus' name and the authority that he has given us mm, to that really became so okay. real to me. Yeah. And so the next night when another dream tried to happen, I just said it again in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Um, My brother was also having dreams as well. And so I told him that. I told him what my dad told me. You have to say this. Like, just say his name in your dream and you'll wake up. And I remember the next day he got up, he was very upset. And he said, I said it and nothing happened. I was like, how many times did you say it? He was like, once. I said, you have to keep saying it again. <laughs> and it's not that, oh, his name is only powerful if you say it more than once. Like yeah. sometimes, Sometimes we need to increase our faith by saying his name over exactly. and over again. And so, so there's nothing wrong with proclaiming his name multiple times when you're in these situations. Mm. And proclaiming his name can be done also not when you're just sleeping, but when you're awake, when yeah. you're in a situation and you feel fearful, when yes. you feel anxious when you're worried when you're stressed you can proclaim his name say in jesus name in jesus name and sometimes even when we're in a place and we're like i don't know what to pray right now i feel Mm. like i should pray but i don't know what to pray you can pray his name yes (laughs) say his name in jesus name that's so good yeah
1: the name of jesus is so powerful Mm -hmm. i mean one of like the greatest encounters that i've had was at a concert and uh it was just they were just singing Jesus, Jesus, and that was it. Mm. Like, it was like a four minute long thing. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus. And, like, I don't know, something completely changed in the mm-hmm. atmosphere within me as well. And so that name holds such um, powerful and significant. Uh, um, uh, Thing And so, like, it's, <laughs> important, it's important for us to call on the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. not only when we're fearful, not only when we're sleeping or whatever, but mm-hmm. also when we're enjoying ourselves, when we're having yes. our fun time, when we're succeeding in life mm-hmm. and when we're doing mm-hmm. things, to call on the name of Jesus and to really be grateful for what He's done for us on the cross and and the sacrifice that He's paid for us. Mm-hmm. And so... The name of Jesus has so much power. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Amen. <laughs> it reminds me of that one song that came out. And the first line is, I speak the name of Jesus over mm. you. Mm. You can speak the name of Jesus over yourself. Yes. <laughs> over your family. Yes. Over your workplace. Over your situation.
1: Amen. Yeah, That's so good. Well, we're going to end it right here. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed. If you guys want us to continue doing these, because there's a lot of stories. There's so many testimonies that... We could read. Mm-hmm. And I'll be happy for you to read them and for me to <laughs> listen to all these stories. Because it's a learning experience for all yes. of us, right? And yes. also, it's
0: a- um, for words that I butchered, I apologize.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you did great. You're a good reader. Thank you. Uh,
1: but yeah, so uh, if you guys want us to continue doing these, we would love to. We, we love hearing stories. And so mm-hmm. if you have your own stories and you'd like us to read them here,
0: or you'd like to be here and share them. Exactly. <laughs> please let us know. Yeah, um, yeah. you can
1: message us on our Instagram or Facebook and we'll respond to you as soon as we possibly mm-hmm. can.
0: Yes. I think we have like automated response messages yes. set up. Yes. Um, but once we do get and read it, we'll send like an actual response <laughs> <Yes>. to you. <laughs> All
1: right. And so uh please, please feel free to messages to mm-hmm. not only about your testimony just to talk even yeah we'll respond back to you and uh, we'll have some great conversation i'm sure mm-hmm. and so we hope you enjoyed this podcast
0: yes don't uh, forget to speak the name of jesus yes, over situations yes don't be afraid of demonic powers because god is more powerful yes and his spirit is within you amen and so we have power of the enemy i don't want anyone to leave this podcast being afraid (laughs) amen please don't god is god is so powerful his name is so powerful just saying his name demons have to flee
1: amen Mm -hmm. well we hope you enjoy please please do share this podcast yes and please (laughs) comment if you have any comments and would like to add to whatever we talked about Mm -hmm. please feel free we hope you enjoyed we love you we'll see you soon Bye. bye